You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, this is a serious topic we know. And Lord, um, I thank you for the opportunity to come here and just share. But Lord, information is just information if we don't, uh, if we don't apply it to our lives. So Lord, I just pray that uh, as we uncover some of these, these things that we are about ready to enter in here, that, um, that we understand the reasons why. Why is it important? What does the three angels' message really mean to us, and, and how can we apply that, and why is it so important for us to go out and tell other people? So I just pray, Lord, that you be with this conversation here today. May you speak your words through me. May you soften our hearts and open our eyes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that have your Bible, I want you to read a story with me. Um, you'll find this story in 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28, and it's, uh, we'll start with verse 3 through 20. I want to point something out to you, because this is a really good illustration of spiritualism. It's a very clear-cut thing. I, I actually love, um, I, I got a chance to listen to the message that was right before, and I love what was said during that message. So many times we will look to what Mrs. White says when we have such clear-cut evidence in the Bible. And I'm a big fan of Mrs. White's writings. As you will see, I will show you uh, a few of the things here. But I want to connect something. These aren't just things of the Old Testament. These are not just things that they struggled with back then. As you could see, we have Casper the Friendly Ghost, and almost everybody in this room has dealt with spiritualism in a media form. So I want to read this story to you, and I want to point a few things out that's very interesting. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel lamented him and buried him in Ramah, and even in his own city. And Saul had put away those things that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Now, when the Bible says that he put them away, many times these people were put to death. This was not just, you cannot be a part of this country anymore. These, this was a serious crime that was tried with your life. And this is what it says in here. He had put these people away, all the wizards and, and people with familiar spirits. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched at Shunem. And Saul gathered the Israelites together and he pitched at Galboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and in his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams neither by Urim, neither by the prophets. And then Saul to, said to his servants, seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit. Now, I got a question for you. If you were part of the government of Saul, and you worked for him, and you knew that that crime was punishable by death, and he goes, hey, go find me somebody, would you be like, oh yeah, she's, she's, she, there's a person over here, Right? It amazes me that the very people that even worked for him, which he was supposed to clear the land, the very people even knew where these people were. This is the state that Israel was in at this point. And so, of course, his servant said to him, Behold, there is a, a woman with a familiar spirit in Endor. And Saul disguised himself. Now, here's another thing that I have a question for. 
Why would he disguise himself? You know, anytime you feel like you need to do something in the dark, just saying, if you can't do it in the open, you should question that. You should question that. In fact, I tell people all the time, like, you know, it's an interesting thing to me that in our day and age, we'll sit around and we'll play a video game where the purpose of the video game is to shoot and kill everybody in the room until you're the last person standing. When are you going to do that in heaven? Why are we doing that here? Does that make sense? If you feel like this is not something that you can do in front of God or in your church or anything, what's the, what's the reasoning behind it? We should really question that. So Saul, he gets in a disguise. He goes to this woman who has a familiar spirit and, and, uh, and he put on some other remnant and he went two men with him and they came to this woman by night. Here's another clue that you should not be doing this if you feel like you need to do it in the cover of darkness. And he said, I pray you, divine by me the familiar spirit, and bring him up, whom I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done. I think this is also very a, a, an interesting point. You know, God gives us time and time and time again when we know we're doing something wrong. Be conscientious of that. When you know that you're doing something that is considered a sin and you know it's a sin in your mind, God says he presents us with a out always. The phone will ring. Something will happen. Someone will knock on your door. Something happens where you are immediately presented with that choice. And Saul, even once again, is presented with the choice. Hey, you know what Saul's done. And here the woman says to him, Behold, you know what Saul's done. He has cut off those from the, that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore, you lay a snare for me in my life and cause me to die? And Saul swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, there shall no punishment happen to you. I think that's very interesting as well. Here he knows that God is not listening to him anymore. And here he's like, I swear to my Lord, I will not destroy you as long as God lives. This is what it means when we, when we start messing with sin. Our judgment gets so clouded that we can't even see that that's absolutely ridiculous to swear by the very God that you just said is literally turned his back on you that you would not do any harm to her. But that's where, that's where this all leads. This is such a... A mind-blowing story, but it's, it's also a story that, that I think that we need to take a very serious look at. Because as I run around in our churches and I run around in our school, I just had a conversation with someone in here today, and I don't want to say names and I don't want to call things out, but this young lady that was talking with me said that she had someone who went to school here and has now just gone to Hollywood and wants to be in Hollywood. That's at the very school that we're, we're right here. This is, this is Michigan, right? This is the cream of the crop. We're putting out the priests out of here, right? We're no different. And it's the same story everywhere else. 
I can't tell you I cannot wait for the day that I go into an environment, no matter what kind of spiritual environment that we're in, and I say, who here has seen this movie or that movie? And people just look at me and go, what? I long for that day. But brothers and sisters, the sad reality of this is I've been to the GYCs. I've asked the question from the people that you would least suspect to watch this or that. And I said, who here is watching this movie? And it's the same story. It's 90% of the hands go up. There's a reason why I wanted to share this story with you. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12 says, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And I want to point this out. Saul was not ignorant of this verse. Saul was not, I didn't know, Lord. He was actively engaged in outing anyone that had anything to do with these things because he understood from God's perspective that anybody that does anything in that realm is an abomination to the Lord. If you understand that word abomination, it means that God hates this thing. Well, there goes 90% of Walt Disney, right? Right out the window. Oof. Sorcery, magic, witchcraft, any of that kind of stuff, that alone in this one verse, we don't need 50 Ellen White quotes to understand this. We need one verse. Have nothing to do with it. The reason I shared that with you, because it's a very serious crime in the ancient days to have anything to do with these things. Listen to what the Bible says in Leviticus 20, verse 6. And the soul that turneth after such that have familiar spirits and after wizards that go a-whoring after them, I will set my face against that soul. Brothers and sisters, God is a very forgiving God. I am chief of God needing to forgive me. Time and time again, my God is patient with me. He was so patient with me from the beginning of this ministry. He's still patient with me. But brothers and sisters, there is something that God will turn his face from you. That's how serious God treated that. So what does that mean if we sit back and we go, well, it's okay, I just watched the sorceress apprentice, little Mickey Mouse. What is it? I, I, I'm just asking a real honest question. Because you see, there's people that are going to get to the gates of heaven that are going to be not there because they messed around with magic and sorcery. And if they're standing by watching all these people get into the gates of heaven, you don't think that they're going to sit there and go, wait a minute, I'm not allowed in heaven. Why is this person going into heaven when they sat there and they engaged in it all the time? You don't think that people are going to be upset? God is a very fair God. What he did for those people back then, he will do for us today. Does that make sense? The same punishments that those people were subjected to, we are also subjected to those. Be careful with that. I don't mean to be so hard on this. It's just time and time again, I see this same concept coming up and we're misunderstanding this part right here. Very clear. This is White in the Great Controversy. 
Page 561, she says, Satan has long been preparing for his final effort to deceive the world. The foundation of his work was laid in the assurance given to Eve in, the, uh, in Eden, you shall not surely die, and in that day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and that you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Little by little, he's been preparing his way for his masterpiece of deception in the development of spiritualism. Brothers and sisters, let me just, let me just pause right here for a second. What Mrs. White is saying is the culmination of 6,000 years of understanding how human nature is, perfecting his game, it will have an element of spiritualism in that. Now, I have a real question for you. If I just told you right now, and I said, listen, the devil's final masquerade that's going to have a few elements to it, if you eat veggie links, that is what Satan is going to use, eating veggie links, to deceive people, would you eat them ever again? Probably not. Why are we messing with this? Why are we still messing with this when we understand that it's the very recipe of what he's going to use in his masterpiece of deception? Here's what spiritualism is. A system of a belief of religious practice based on the communication of spirits of the dead, especially through mediums. The doctrine of the spirits ex um, exists as distinct from matter or that, that the spirits is the only reality. So let me give you a basic understanding. This is, I'm going to boil it down. I, I appreciate simplicity. I'm kind of a simple guy. And so I like a simple understanding of something. What was happening in the Garden of Eden when the snake was, was possessed by Satan, he was coming to Eve and he was using spiritualism to, to give her a contrary message to the word of God. Does that make sense? That's as simple as I can put it. So God says, if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. The snake just changed the words of God, and he said, no, God said you'll die. You won't die. All spiritualism, all spiritualism is, if you distill it down to its most simplistic form, it will change the words of God. God says this, spiritualism says that. That's the very basic understanding, and you can see spiritualism coming from a mile away if it says something different than the Word of God. Does that make sense? That's as simple as I can put that understanding. Medium. We know that, uh, you know, in the story of Saul, he went to a medium. And if you read the definition of a medium, this is just dictionary.com, one that channels uh, general communication, information, entertainment, newspapers, radios, television. Now, why would it call that a medium? Why do we call that a medium in our society? It's because it's giving a message. It's a medium of communication that's to somebody. So I think it's very interesting that we use this I term in, in, in there. We know that the plural form of medium is media, and so I think we need to be very careful when we think in context of this recipe that Satan is going to use in these final days. It will have an element of spiritualism. Maybe some of you um, historians in the room will recognize this gentleman, Alexander Graham Bell. You can look this up on your own time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I want to get through this material faster. He was a spiritualist. In fact, he was trying to actually be able to communicate with the spirits, and that's what led to the development of the telephone, so that he could communicate with spirits. Did you know that? You can look this up. 
In fact, here it was, he was channeling some, some, some different people, and that's what led to that experiment. One of the people that developed the record player, his name was Thomas Edison. Maybe you've heard of him. We're enjoying some of his work right now. Did you know that Thomas Edison was a spiritualist? In fact, did you know the whole reason why he developed the record player was so that he could record the spirits so that he could play them back to you? Did you know that? Well, I find that very fascinating in our world, don't you? In fact, if you go on the internet, you can see all of his experiments were all literally designed to speak to the dead. These are all inventions and things that Thomas Edison created so that he could show you there was a spiritual world behind. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you go through any of the mediums. There's another gentleman named John Logie Baird who was um, the initial inventor of the television. And you know what his entire purpose was to to design the television? Was he wanted to actually video and record the spirits and then he could show you that they were real and that's what led to the invention of the television. From the very onset, this thing has been steeped in spiritualism. And you don't think the devil knows what he's doing? Now don't get me wrong. People ask this all the time. You're so hard on media. No, I'm not so hard on media. I use media all the time. In fact, 90% of my time is designing media to share with people. I have had people on the different sides of the globe that have watched our videos that I have never set foot in their country. That is an amazing technology. Any one of the apostles would have died to be able to upload something to YouTube and have somebody on the other end of the globe listen to their message. It's a fascinating time to spread the gospel, and I believe that it can be used positively. I wouldn't make it if I thought it was evil. But I just want you to recognize that this is not a game. The devil knows what he's doing with all this spiritualism. We don't even bat an eye today. We see so much spiritualism in all these movies. The ancient system of magic in reality is the same that is known as modern spiritualism. Satan is finding access to thousands of minds by presenting himself under the guise of departed friends. These are verses that we've heard probably many times in our church. Through the two great heirs, the immortality of the soul and Sunday sacredness, Satan will bring his people under his deceptions. While the former lays the foundation of spiritualism, the latter creates a bond of sympathy with Rome. Protestants of the United States will be in the foremost in stretching their hands across the gulf and grasp the hand of spiritualism, and they will reach over the abyss to grasp the hands of the Roman power, and under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the footsteps of Rome and trampling the rights of consciousness. Do we see this today? The day that I turned on the television and I saw that gentleman from the Roman Catholic Church in a evangelical church and I heard those words that say, no longer are we protesting against the Roman Catholic Church, I went, my goodness, I have just seen history literally in my day. As we're inching closer and closer, we understand that that spiritualism will play a major, major part. You see all this in the ecumenical movement. You see all these different people starting to work together. And in fact, in all these different faiths, it's very interesting to me because I always thought, like, how are they going to get everybody on the same page? And you see this bubbling up in the surface in the form of, of... Let's save the planet. 
Let's save the planet, right? Papists, Protestants, and worldlings alike will accept a form of godliness without the power, and they will see in this union a grand movement for the conversion of the world and usher in the long-expected millennium. I'm going to share something with you that maybe perhaps you've seen before, and this is not a discussion on the Pope or Catholicism, but I want to point something out to you that is very interesting to me. Listen to what the Pope believes. St. Francis of Assisi is the patron saint of the environment. To honor his namesake, Pope Francis devoted his 2015 encyclical, a 184-page letter to the church faithful, to the technology, science, and data behind climate change. This pope speaks openly of evolution and says, quote, the biblical story of creation is a mythical form of expression. He likens the neglect of the earth to the neglect of the poor. Now, isn't that just mind-boggling to you? That here is supposed to be the religious leader of the world that would be, in his own words, the very mouthpiece of God, yet he believes that evolution is the reality and that the whole story of creation is really a myth. Like, what? Are you serious? But you see, that's how this is all coming together. That's how this is all working together. Listen to what he says It would be a solution to this whole problem, and it has to do with your day of rest. Se vive con el acelerador puesto desde la mañana hasta la noche. Y eso arruina la salud mental, la salud espiritual y la salud física. Más aún, arruina y destruye la familia y por lo tanto la sociedad. El séptimo día descansó. Lo que los judíos tenían y tienen, ¿no es cierto?, los observantes, como sagrado cumplir el Shabbat. El sábado se descansa, un día a la semana, al menos eso, para la gratuidad, para dar culto a Dios, para estar con la familia, para jugar, para, para hacer todas esas cosas. You can see the beginning. No somos máquinas. You can see the beginning of this coming out. You can see that this very thing that we have been preaching in our church for a long time is coming to fruition in our day. Do you see this? I find it very interesting when somebody showed me this. This is actually, have any, has anyone here been to the Vatican? You, you've, you've walked through this thing? So have you been in this room? This is very interesting. This is one of the buildings that he actually speaks in. And, uh, you know, if you turn around, I'll show you a picture of the other side. It's that really weird formation that's on the wall. What does it look like that's in the back of him? What do you think this literally looks like? And it blew my mind when I looked at this, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, Satan cannot be this blatant, can he? The very place that the Pope stands up there and preaches is in the serpent's mouth. Oh my goodness, is it right in front of us? That's the outside of the building. It's designed in the head of the snake, and we still 
we still wonder. The, the only reason I'm showing you this, this is, I don't want this to be a huge discussion on, on the Pope, but I'm just wanting to show you, I'm showing you two elements of a recipe that are coming together like this. And when those two elements come together, brothers and sisters, Satan will have his final masterpiece on the table. The reason I feel so passionate about the topic of spiritualism in media is because it is coming down the pipe whether you like it or not. It breaks my heart when I come into our schools and I say, who here has seen this superhero movie? And 90% of our hands go up. It's in front of us. It's right in front of us. Listen to this. I found this beautiful, and I, I wanted to say this. God has jewels in all the churches. We need not to think of these people that are in part of these churches as lost. God has his jewels there, and it is not for us to make a sweeping denunciation of the professed religious world. The Lord has his representatives in all the churches, and these people have not had the special testing truths that in these last days are presented to them under circumstances that have brought conviction to the heart and to the mind. Therefore, they have not, by rejecting light, severed their connection with God. Among the Catholics, there are many of those who are most conscientious Christians and who will walk in the light that shines upon them, and God will work in their behalf. Brothers and sisters, don't ever look at somebody that's part of that church and say, you are lost. What I kind of look at statements like this is I kind of go, oh, Lord, woe is us that we have not done our job sharing that light with these people. You know what I found very interesting because as I talk to young people and I share this kind of a message with them and they go, yes, but we're not part of that church. I'm sitting in church on the right day and, and I'm, I understand Bible truth and I, I, I could tell you who the mark of the beast is. I can tell you what the three angels message is, but let me tell you something that was alarming to me. Mrs. White, in the form of spiritualism, she has mentioned that demons will show up in our meetings. In fact, she says, as the apostles, they have personated um, by these lying spirits are made to contradict what they wrote at the diction of the Holy Spirit on earth. There will be demons that show up as apostles to contradict the word of God. Because remember, all spiritualism is going to do is just change the word of God. So what these spirits will do is they'll show up and say, hey, I'm Paul. Yeah, you guys have translated the Bible and it's gone through so many different forms and versions. That's not really what I meant. I meant it like this. Look at what she says about us. I have been shown. Anytime that you read Mrs. White's writings and she uses those words, I have been shown, your ears need to perk up. I have been shown. Evil angels in the form of believers will work in our ranks to bring a strong spirit of unbelief. These powers of evil will assemble in our meetings not to receive a blessing, but to counter the influences of the Spirit of God. In this time, evil angels in the form of men will talk with those who know the truth. That's alarming to me. That's alarming to me that, that they'll show up. They, they don't care if this is a Seventh-day Adventist church. They'll walk in here and they'll sit down and they'll listen to the meeting and then they'll start combating what is said. That is what is going to happen just before this whole closing events play out. 
That's why it's so important, and I tell people all the time, you've got to be grounded in the word of God. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We should be remembering the Bible. We should be memorizing the Bible. We should be literally getting all of our truth and foundation in the word of God. That's why it says, if you, ha- if, if, if you understand Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, have nothing to do with unfamiliar spirits, wizards, necromancers, witchcraft, this, that, you name it, don't have anything to do with it. We should be able to say, why? Because it came from the word of God and he told me not to do it. Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12 is, I think, a stark warning for us. The coming of the lawless one. We know that this is contrary to God. Why? Because they're changing what the Bible says. The Bible is all about your righteousness, all about your right doing, all about you literally taking on the character of God. And somebody that comes as a lawless one who's against that will be in accordance to how Satan works. He will use all sorts of display and power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wicked deceives those who are perishing and they, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. When we fall in love with the truth and we order our life after the truth, if the Bible says have nothing to do with magic and sorcery, we go, I don't want it. I don't want to watch it. I'm sorry, that superhero movie has a bunch of magic in it. I don't want to watch it. Does that make sense? Leviticus 20, verse 6, you do not want God to turn his face against you. I bring that up because I wanted to just share this with you. This is not a discussion. You know, somebody, somebody that uh, came up to me today and said, you know, hey, um, man, I really wish the young people would have heard this. Brothers and sisters, I wish the young people would have heard this too, but I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it because your grandparents... You've got grandkids. Your parents, you've got kids. You've got kids that are now having kids. Brothers and sisters, we're all in this together, and you need to understand the reasons why this is becoming scarier and scarier. Coco was a movie that came out. This is Pixar's movie. Pixar is the one that did the Toy Story. This is not a small company. This is a very large company. In fact, a very large amount of people saw this. And what was alarming to me was it was dealing with a very culturally sensitive topic. You know, we live in this culture today where everything has to be culturally okay. And, you know, if you say anything against my culture, how dare you talk about my culture? I loved how it was addressed earlier today. And it was like, look, I'm not part of any culture. I'm a Christian, first and foremost. There is terrible things that my country has done to the people that were here before us. But I'm a Christian first and foremost. So I want to put that into perspective because the story of this is this little boy idolizes a particular character in the, in the story that has died. So he's a musician and he's died. And this little boy just loves this musician, wants to play his music, collects all his videos, um, tries to literally recreate his songs, and his parents have lied to this little boy and not told him who the real identity of his idol really is. So the story is, the boy goes to the grave of this idol and picks up his guitar, and when he plays the guitar, he crosses over into the land of the dead. 
Then when he crosses over into the land of the dead, the people, he realizes, wow, there's people beyond this veil of life that we know of. And the people then begin to tell him the truth about what his family has lied to. Let me know if your spiritual alarm bells are ringing off. And so what's scary to me is when this particular video came out, I quickly went, my kids aren't quite exposed to this kind of stuff like most normal kids. And I went to my kids and I went, I just saw something that's really crazy. Tell me about the state of the dead. What happens when you die? And I remember my son being quite young when this came out and he was like, well, I think, I think you die. I mean, isn't that why Jesus is coming back, right? Who, who's going to be raised if you're, if you, if you, who's in the ground? And I was like, yes, I haven't had a state of the dead study with my five-year-old child, sorry. But I was curious about what he actually understood about it, and somehow he had gotten the information that was correct from the Bible. But think of all the other young kids that get the wrong picture, and then you're trying to play catch-up with them when they're teenagers. Here's what it really says in the Bible. Sorry, what got programmed in your brain was totally different than what the Bible actually says. I wanted to point this out because um, I want to show you a little clip, and then I want to talk about something. Um, this is the scene where he's with his little uh, idol. He hasn't gone to the grave yet, and, and listen to what his idol actually says. sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. When life gets me down, I play my guitar. The rest of the world may follow the rules, but I must follow my heart. When the rest of the world follows the rules, I follow my heart, not the rules. That's why we made a whole project on Disney. If you have not seen this or you do not know about what the main message, follow your heart, follow your heart. Don't follow the rules, follow your heart. The reason why the devil is aiming at our children to teach you that message is because remember what 2 Thessalonians just said? Satan satanic individuals are going to come as the lawless one. So they need to downplay and do away with that law in a child's mind. Now, as he goes to um, this, there's a dog that actually um, leads him and crosses over into the land of the dead. And this dog is actually a very, um, it's, a, it's a dog that uh, was a folklore that they believed was a guide into the spirit world. And this dog is called a Jolo. And they would actually bury the people with these dogs because they believed that this dog would guide them in the spirit world. And that's exactly what happened in this story. Um, this little dog is guiding him. Listen to what he says to the dog. You knew he was my papa Hector the whole time. You are a real spirit guide. You are a real spirit guide. And this little dog that guided him into the land of the dead is named Dante. Dante is taken after Dante's Inferno, which is all about hell. And so I find it very interesting that he has a dog that is literally named after Satan that leads him into the land of the dead to find the truth out. Isn't that an alarming message for a, a child? That's why I'm so hard on Disney. 
It's not just a story, brothers and sisters. This is very deep, spiritual, twisted things that are getting into our children's minds, and then we hope that we're going to teach them the right perspective in our Bible classes. That's why Leviticus 19.31 says, Do not turn to mediums nor necromancers. Those are people that speak to the dead. Don't seek after them or don't make yourself unclean by them. Mrs. White had a lot to say in Adventist home. She said, Satan's strategy is really to confuse the senses. It's his work to lead men to ignore God, so to engross and absorb the mind that God will not be in their thoughts. The education they have received has been of a character to confuse and eclipse the true light. You see, Satan does not wish for people to have a knowledge of God. If he can set into operation games and theatrical performances that will so confuse the senses of the young and the human beings will perish in darkness while light shines all around them. He is well pleased. Do you know that Satan does not care if you are a Seventh-day Adventist on Sabbath and you listen to a one-hour sermon as long as you go home and you watch one hour or two hours a day, six days a week of all his messages? He doesn't care. And many of our young people are dying with so much light in our church. And we're focused on this darkness. Just before us, the hour of temptation, which will come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth, all whose faith is not firmly established upon the word of God, will be deceived and overcome. I mean, our own major publications in our church has told us the recipe on how to make it through this. If we study the life of Christ when he was at his hour of his temptation, how did he make it through it? He made it through it by standing on the word of God. God says this, nope, not going to do that, Satan, sorry. The only way that we're going to make it through this time is to literally understand and know what the Bible says. Revelation 3.10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. We're going to get tested. You better bet we're going to get tested. I want to share this with you because, whereas I know, and I'm just going to throw this out here, I'm going to bet a big majority of this room has not seen this movie. But when this came out, it hit our church because of its cultural relevance. And I don't mean to pick on any demographic. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Hollywood is very unfair with the demographic that is in Hollywood. It is unfair. It has placed the the African-American population as the drug dealers, the problem makers. They have done a disservice that is not reality. They have put the wrong picture out there. But brothers and sisters, let me share something with you. We cannot forego our understanding of Bible truth because something gets placed in our world of its cultural relevance. Many churches took their churches to go see this movie. Pastors, Adventists, because of its cultural relevance. So here's how slippery this slope is. This is the opening scene of the movie. Opening scene. They're explaining where a Black Panther comes from. And I want you to listen to this because notice how he eats a piece of fruit that's given to him that gives him all ultimate superpower and turns him into this godlike being called the Black Panther. 
Warrior Shaman received a vision from the panther goddess Bast, who led him to the heart-shaped app, a plant that granted him superhuman strength, speed, and instincts. The warrior became king and the first black panther. The second that you see somebody tell you that you can eat this piece of fruit and it will make you have superhuman, super godlike strength and become something that you're not, every single Adventist should have got up out of the theater and walked out on the opening scene. Opening scene. But it kept going. There was so much spiritualism in this type of movie. Here's a scene where he's talking to his dead father. His dead father's in the tree in the shape of, a, of an animal and all of a sudden transforms and turns into a human. You should have walked out right there. But here I'm telling you, you go ask any one of our young people in any one of our schools if they've seen this, and I guarantee you 90% of their hands will go up. The Bible is clear, brothers and sisters, clear. We cannot let this kind of stuff get a hold of us because of some, some culture. He said that Bast, Bast was the one that gave him the fruit that made him a superhero. So all I did was say, who's Bast? Look up on the internet. As you look up on the internet, this is who Bast is. He is the God. And listen to this. It says, in Necropolis, Necro means dead, Polis means city. So in the city of the dead, the Wakandan city of the dead, where the Black Panthers go to die, you there will rule as a king of the dead. So who is it? It isn't the king of the living. It's the king of the dead. Listen to this. It says, every Black Panther that's ever lived, their strength, their knowledge is yours. Every battle, every fought, one unbeaten, unbroken, a crowned uh, of the unconquered, a king of the kings, a king of the king. That's not my king of the dead. That's my king of the living. How did we not see this? How did every single Adventist literally say, why would I go and watch this? This is literally from the king of the dead. That's how serious this matter truly is. To the law and to the testimony, if it speaks not according to this word, it is because there is no light in it. Many of these young people that went and saw all these superhero things, they spent 10 years, many different films over it. Thanos is the guy in the very tippy top. He is the ultimate villain of the universe. And he is the literally the most evil person in this movie series. And let me just tell you what he is actually like. Because he has the power to destroy a planet. And in fact, he's the most powerful being in the universe. He lives outside of the universe, and he's coming into Earth to destroy half of humanity because he has the power to destroy them. Now, let me ask you a question. Does Satan have the power to destroy this planet? No, he does not. In fact, he only has the power that is given to him by God. He would have destroyed us from the start, but he cannot. In this story, he was collecting stones that gave him different superpowers. In fact, one of the stones gave him omnipresence. He could be everywhere at once. One of the stones gave him the ability to create a world out of nothing. One of the stones gave him the ability to raise the dead. Brothers and sisters, let me know when your alarm bells are kicking off. 
This is the most evil villain in the universe that's coming to destroy the world. If you were to sit down and ask Satan, what is the great controversy like? This is exactly like he would answer it. God is coming to destroy you, and we need to save humanity from it. In fact, the very warship that he was coming to destroy the planet is called the Sanctuary 2. Brothers and sisters, it's as obvious as that. I should be able to go into any Adventist academy and ask our young people who here has seen this movie, and they should look at me like I'm crazy. Why would I watch that? Here's the reality of where we're at. Here's why maybe perhaps God wanted me to speak to you and not the young people at this conference. I'm very passionate, and I'm very happy. When I saw you guys walk in this door, my heart did not go, oh, why isn't there young people in here? My heart is like, God, you sent me here to talk to you. It is now your job to go and relay this information to your young people. Pray for your young people. Talk to your young people. Tell them the truths, because it's only by understanding the truth will they recognize the error. I want to share this in closing with you. I think this is, this is beautiful because as a young child, I was very fascinated with reading Mrs. White. My, my, my father was very much a proponent of, of reading the Conflict of the Ages series. In fact, I read it in high school. At times, I feel like my father was a little aggressive on it. He would tell me he would take me to school after I finished reading it in the morning. I don't suggest trying that with people. I understood an incredible amount of information about the great controversy when I went to Hollywood. I understood intellectually some very complicated spiritual things about our Adventist truth and some of the Adventist things. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, when I was 18 years old, I walked away from this church at the drop of a hat. Information will not save you. I could sit here and I could show you all of this stuff that's underneath this rock and that rock and here and there, but I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, if that's all we're doing with our young people, it will not save them. You know, God allowed me to to take a step back. And I'll tell you, I stand firm on those verses that say, train ye up a child in the ways that, that, that they should go, and they will not depart from it. I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, my father instilled inside of me the truth so deeply that when I was in the middle of Vegas, blitzed out of my mind on everything from paint chips and glue, if you would have asked me who is God and who is the man of sin, I would have told you in the middle of that club in Vegas. It never left. There was never a point that I said, I don't believe it. I just had no application for it. Because I didn't fall in love with God from my heart. And God had to win my heart back. And when he won me back, I was blown away. How did I get so far out into the ocean? It wasn't one day that I all of a sudden said, you know what, I don't want God. It was creeping compromise here and there. My parents said no to the movies. Why not? I don't know, just no. That was it, no. No explanation, no nothing. 
But see, they made all those decisions for me. I was not allowed to go to the theaters when I was younger. I was not allowed to watch television. I did not watch an incredible amount of television growing up. I did not grow up on it. I grew up outside. But you know what my parents did to me that was a disservice to me? They made all those decisions for me. And then when I turned 18 years old, it was like, good luck. I had no idea how to make a decision. So what did I do? I went to PUC. Guess where I went on the weekends? I went to the theater. I went from this movie to that movie. I went to the movie store and I tried to catch up on 15 years worth of missing out on it. You need to teach your children how to make those decisions. You need to help them make those decisions. The reason that those children are in your care underneath your roof, like Mrs. White says in Child Guidance, it's so that you can teach that child how to make a, a proper choice, and they aren't going to always make the best choice. They may make a mistake, but as long as they do it under your roof, you can help them. The second they get out on their own, it's like they, they've never flown their wings before. They don't know how to make these decisions. That's why I'm very sympathetic towards our young people as well. We can't just beat them over the head with truth. We need to show them the proper reasons why and demonstrate to them this is why we feel passionate about not watching error. Listen to this. Again, Satan sees the Lord's servants burdened because of the spiritual darkness that enshrouds the people. He hears their earnest prayers for divine grace and power to break the spell of indifference, carelessness, and indolence. Then, with renewed zeal, he plies his, his arts. He tempts men to indulge in appetite or some other form of self-gratification and thus benumbs their senses so that they will fail to hear the very things which they most need to learn. You know, food is such an interesting topic. I do not believe that simply because you eat cheese that you are not going to make it to heaven. But I do believe that those little tiny choices are daily choices that you make that prepare you for a very important choice. And the same thing is with our entertainment choices or anything that we do in life. It's little by little, those little things that, that, that we get a chance to make that seemingly don't make a difference, but they're actually preparation for those big moments. Satan knows well all who, whom he can lead to neglect in prayer and searching of the scriptures. Now, I want to point this out, because this is the recipe to beat Satan. Prayer and knowing the scriptures. It's exactly how Jesus dealt with his deceptions. He was connected to God. He was in the wilderness praying. And the second that Satan came to him in the form of an angel, and he said, if you are the son of God, and you back up in the story, Jesus just hears God say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Ah, Every angel would have known that God just told me that he was pleased in me. And so if this angel is questioning who I am, he's not an angel of God. You see how that works? And then he knew right off the bat, an angel would never, would never question this thing. And then he threw scripture at him. But see, don't be, don't be alarmed when Satan goes, oh, you want to play the scripture game, do you? Watch this. I got this scripture, and this scripture, 
And this scripture, he'll, he'll, he'll engage with you in that way. And that's where I believe prayer and knowing the Bible is our best way out of that. I'm not going to show you this kind of stuff. This is part of that whole Avengers series. Um, Doctor Strange, he's the master of black magic. You just look up what black magic is, and it's the magic involved in invocation of evil spirits for evil purposes. Why would you want to watch something that has that all over it? I don't know why I just went to that. I want to share this with you. In the end of time, and I think this is an encouragement, I'm sharing this kind of stuff with you. I wanted to give you a good foundation of spiritualism because, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm alarmed, and I'm just going to forewarn you, actually. Tomorrow we're going to open up the conversation of aliens. The reason I want to share with you the conversation of aliens is because whether you think it's, it's conspiracy or not, or you like it or you don't like it, or you have no idea of what's going on, brothers and sisters, our government is coming out. It came out this month telling people on CNN and other things that we have been in communication with, spirit, with, with uh, uh, aliens for so long, and it's totally real. That's what's coming down the pipe. And if we don't understand how to navigate through spiritualism, if we have no way for us to even decide whether or not a movie is spiritualistic or not, how are you ever going to make it through this final deception? We know what the recipe is. The recipe is a blend of Protestantism, apostate Protestantism, grasping the hands of, of Catholicism and spiritualism, and all that blended together is going to prepare for this final movement. And we know what the recipe of it for us to navigate through this is standing on the word of God. Listen to what the very final movements in the great controversy are. Servants of God with their faces lightened up, and this is after everybody makes the death decree, everybody goes out and decides that they are going to destroy this group of people because they want to follow God. They follow the commandments of God. They're good-hearted people. They have the, the testimony of Jesus, and listen to this. It says that their faces lighten up with shining glory and holy consecration and will hasten from place to place and proclaim the message from heaven. By thousands of voices over the earth, the warning will be given, miracles will be wrought, the sick will be healed, the signs will be, um, um, and wonders will follow the believers. But look at this, Satan follows right around and also will work with lying wonders and bring down fire from heaven in the sight of men. Simultaneously, as very, very supernatural things are happening with God's people, Satan's going, oh yeah, watch this, I can do the exact same thing. And he's doing these crazy things with, with all of this. Listen to what Mrs. White says. As God spoke the day and the hour of Jesus' coming, did you know that that's going to happen? And delivered with everlasting covenant to his people, he spoke one sentence and then paused, and while the words were rolling through the earth, the Israel of God stood in their eyes fixed upward, listening to the words that came from the mouth of Jehovah and rolled through the earth like peals of the loudest thunder. It was awfully solemn. And at the end of every sentence, the saints shouted, Glory, hallelujah. Their countenances were lit, light, lightened up with the glory of God, and they shone with the glory as did the face of Moses. 
when, they, when, when Moses came down from Sinai. The wicked could not even look on them for their glory. Now listen to this. I thought this was such an amazing illustration. While these words of the holy trust ascend to God, the decree has gone out for the people to be destroyed, and as they're sitting there pleading to God to save them, that's the words that are being sent up to God. The clouds sweep back, and the starry heavens are seen in unspeakable glories, and glorious in contrast. With the black and angry firmament on either side, the glory of heaven is beaming from the gates ajar, then appears against the sky a hand holding two tables of stones folded together and the hand opens the tables and they are revealed the precepts of the decalogue traced with the pen of fire and these words are so plain that all of them can read memory is aroused the darkness of superstition and heresy swept from every mind and god's 10 words brief comprehensive authoritative are presented in the view of all the inhabitants of the earth the 10 commandments are written in the sky do you think it matters? All of this evil that we're watching, do you think it matters? It started after us as a human race not listening to the words of God, and it ends with the very words of God being written in the sky for all to see. I hope and pray that you guys prayerfully think about this topic. If you see young people engaged or, or you know, promoting or, 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 or listening to anything of this supernatural spiritualistic realm, start with this. Go find out their name. Go talk with them and put them in your prayer journal. Pray that God opens up a divine opportunity or that someone will show them a divine opportunity to share the truth with them. Don't beat them over the head with the truth. Don't push them away. Ask God to show and reveal to you the right time or even the right way or the right method to share that information with them or that someone will. I have a burden because I know that this is coming very soon and I believe that God He's given us enough information to know how to navigate through this. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, just like in the old ancient days, you had wisdom in, in telling the Israel of old to steer clear of spiritualism and supernatural things but Lord, it's changed form so many times that it seems that it's non-threatening or that we, we know the truth. How can we uh, be caught up in the, in the error or the deception? But Lord, we know just like the ancient days of old, as we see the examples of Israel getting tripped up again and again and again, Lord, we are a modern-day Israel, and I just pray for our church. I pray for our young people. I pray for our parents to boldly be able to stand for truth, but also give the explanation of why that truth exists. And Lord, I pray that the most important thing that we can do for this next generation is to ground them in your word. Help teach us how to do that. 
and give us those opportunities to do that as well. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.